Down to business on News Talk. Sponsored by Flowgas. Talk to us today for electricity that will power your business wherever you are. Now, it's a life skill many of us will remember having to learn. For anyone who's sat in a car with a learner driver, they'll know it takes nerves of steel, lightning quick reactions and the patience of a saint. This week, our industry review is all about the driving instructors and motoring schools. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by the managing director of the Irish School of Motoring, Carl Walsh. Willie Peacham is a driving training consultant uh, for NACE Driving Academy. He's here as well. And on the phone, we've got Barry McDermott. He's a driving instructor and founder of the El Paso Driving School in Dundalk. You're all very welcome to the programme. Just before we start, could I say to listeners, get your texts in here. We do have three of Ireland's foremost driving instructors here in the studio. I know you have loads of questions, so get them in and we'll try and answer them as we have our conversation. Um, Carl, we might start with you. Um, You're in this business a long time. Uh, There are 1,600-odd driving instructors in the country uh, tell us about the Irish School of Motoring. Uh, it was started by your father, I believe, in the 60s. Way back in 1961, yeah. Well, basically, Irish School of Motoring was the first ever driving school in the country. And my dad was uh, from a, a large family, three-bedroom house in Dungarvan, County Waterford, and left the homestead and moved to London, became a driving instructor with BSM, and saw the opportunity back in Ireland, uh, early 60s, and then set up Irish School of Motoring. So first ever established driving school, and we're, we were a nationwide operation now. And the business then, and I think the evolution of the business or the, the, the foundation of the business was on the basis we didn't have a test here, but there was one coming and he saw the opportunity in the UK because they, I think they had they had a test over there many years before we did. Yeah, I mean, the UK probably do everything before we did. <laughs> and they had their driving test in 1934, initially as a, on, on a voluntary basis. Wow. And then a couple of years later, it became compulsory. So the business changed then to more of a, I suppose, a franchise type model now. So the business today, you might explain to us how it works. Yeah. So back in the early days, in the 60s, obviously, we employed all our driving instructors. And not only did we do car lessons, but truck and bus and motorbike lessons and all of that. Um, The business kind of got a bit big for us. And then we decided we'd go via the franchise model. It just basically allowed driving instructors do their own thing locally. um, And it just became a lot more attractive for, for us running the business, but also for the driving instructor locally, that they could do their own thing as well as uh, uh, us getting the business for them. Okay, okay. We'll come back to that in a second. I want to introduce Willie Peacham now. Uh, He's from NACE Driving Academy. Willie, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks very much. Tell tell me about um, the process of becoming a driving instructor. What qualification, how does it all work in terms of accreditation? Well, the way it works now is since 2009, it's been compulsory to become a registered approved driving instructor with the Road Safety Authority. There's three basic processes to it. One is a theory test, which you must pass, ability to drive yourself to a standard, and then your ability to teach. You must also pass a guard of vetting process as well. When you pass all these things, you get a two-year permit to teach, and you must renew that every two years with a check test. Okay. That's pretty good. Tell us about your own business, uh, the uh, NACE Driving Academy. Uh, you work with your sister, is that yeah, right? Yeah, my sister Suzanne is the managing director. Uh, we're not quite as long in business as Carl and the family. But uh, in 1986, my parents started up NACE School of Motoring, which would have been uh, an ongoing thing for many years. I joined the business in 92, 93. I kind of business I didn't really want to get into. I thought it was kind of boring. When my father introduced me to the business, I took to it like a duck to water. It was brilliant. Uh, great satisfaction in the industry. Well, you know, people always, you know, remember you as being their driving instructor, and you know, it's a really fantastic industry to be in. 
In 2001, my seven sister took over the, the business completely and we changed from Nace School of Motoring to Nace Driving Academy. And then we branched out into motorcycle training, truck training, forklift training. We went right across the board because we had customers coming to us six. Can you do Safe Pass? Well, we're a driving school. Yeah, but could you do Safe Pass? Okay. Safe Pass thing that we do. So what we find is that most of the big schools, like Carl and myself, uh, we would have to branch out into many other industries as well to keep to, to satisfy the need that's there for training. Very interesting. Uh, I want to talk to Barry McDermott now. He's on the phone. He's a driving instructor and he's a co-founder of the El Paso Driving School. El Paso being done talk, is that name, right? It? Brilliant name, yeah. It is indeed. Barry, you're very welcome to the program. Tell Thanks us about much, your, Bobby. Tell us about your business first. I know you're you're too busy to join us here in the studio, which is a good sign. It is indeed, yeah. Well, basically, uh, Bobby, we're based in the talk. We deliver EDT lessons to all cultures and creeds, category B only. Unfortunately, I'm not as big as the rest of the lads there. Uh, we boast ourselves for providing a uh, safe, calm, comfy learning environment. Uh, all the driving instructors that work with myself, uh, they've all been taught by me uh, through all their exams with the RSA, and they all perform to a high standard. Uh, basically, it's just a, I know that they're going to be performing a high standard to keep all our kids safe on the roads at the minute. Okay. Um, tell me about the kind of day-to-day stuff, Barry. Uh, have you maybe war stories? Um, uh, do, do, do you have sort of horrific days like everybody else has in whatever industry I'm you're a, in? I am actually in the process of writing a book. I'm halfway through it now, and um, it's going to be Confessions of a Driving Instructor. But uh, <laughs> I'll have to put aliases in. I can't actually use the names that are involved. Is it what is it about the driving test that sort of freaks people out, Barry? Uh, like it's it's like I know many sane people. One of my own daughters didn't pass it. it Took her eight goes. She won't. I'm glad she's in the UK and she isn't listening. But it took her eight goes <laughs> to actually get it. And she had to go down to the driving uh, test centre. And she said to the supervisor, "Look, I'm a good driver and I'm really nervous and I've failed it seven times. Can, you need to help me." And the instructor said to her, "I'll go out with you." Uh, the, the the supervisor That's went right, yeah. Yeah, with the instructor. That. So there was three of them in the car, and she passed on the eighth time. Yeah, but. Um, well, I, I think the the whole the whole driving test it's it's hyped up an awful lot by by parents from parents of the kids from years ago because an awful lot of the parents years ago didn't actually have to do mandatory lessons and they just went in and kind of winged it maybe did a few lessons before the test passed it or didn't pass it and they'd be talking about uh, difficult areas in the town oh I never go near that area I always bypass it and so on and I think it, it builds up in the it builds up in the in the conscience of the actual student. We try, we try very hard to get them into the car, get them, like, we don't actually teach them to pass the test, we teach them to drive stiff, you know, and yeah. pass the test in the long run is a bonus, you know, but we try and get them, try and get them into the right frame of mind, and if you get into the right frame of mind for anything, I suppose you can, you can tackle it, you know. Okay, alright. Carl, can I ask you about the, um, the waiting lists that are out there at the moment, um, and the frustration they're in? Uh, where we have, and I, I think it was in, I remember when I was in, at college, I just passed my test and I was very envious of my sister who was given a driving license because they just... She the must back, be old. The, uh, when she's 58 <coughs> or 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. out there, yeah. Yeah, I think, there's, uh, I think it was in about 19, I'd say 80 or 81 that happened. Yeah, where, that's right. Uh, they gave an amnesty for a period yeah, of time. And, and just to clear the backlog, uh, that clearly isn't going to happen. But what the... Um, what's the solution to making that list shorter? Solution is if people pass their driving test first time. It's quite simple. 
So the waiting time is actually, the reason for it is because of people going again for the second and third time. So it's really down to preparation at the end of the day. So, uh, okay, there's, there's kind of two parts to our business. First one is training and the other one is the testing. So the first one is training and it's getting people up to a much, much better standard. Now, the RSA introduced their 12 EDT driving lessons, as Barry said there. Um, but people often think they only have to do 12 lessons and then they can reach a test standard. But isn't so the, the perception fact, is, is, is wrong out there. But isn't the fact that the, the everybody doing the test has to do 12 lessons now, is that not good for yeah, your since business? Since 2011, it's become mandatory for yeah. that. But unfortunately, because we're still a very young state when it comes to driver education, like in the UK, like when Carl's dad started over there originally, people always had in their head that, like, you know, I'm coming to 16, 17 now, I should be preparing to take lessons. It's in the psyche of other countries. Like, for example, if you come from Poland, you've done 30 hours theory before they actually even drive a car over there. Right. And they uh, think we're like, you know, you've only got to do 12 driving lessons. Yeah. Okay. The, the average mm. amount of compulsory lessons throughout the, the, the Europe mm. is 33 hours. Yeah. Now, 12 hours doesn't go far enough. Okay. Um, now, I but personally I, I, believe it should be a lot more. But are you saying, Carl, that pe- more people are failing their tests now than it, that, that, that the fact that there's now a backlog that there wasn't three years ago? Yeah, I, I just think the preparation, people don't prepare for it, by and large, the right way. We've loads of texts coming in and yep. I want you to help me with a couple of them. Um, do your panel agree that there are definitely better places to do your tests? That's from Jake. Uh, people can have a perception of that. I'll give you an example, okay? What we're selling, my school and Carl's would have cover Tala and we would go to Tala and we could, we, could have, we could have a driving examiner in there that somebody might recognise from Fingless and go, he comes here too. He says, yeah. They move the testers around. Okay. You know, people think it's the same tester <laughs> continuously. Yeah. You know? But is there, is there maybe areas that are less busy with traffic or, you know, that Not might really, perceivably make it easier. No, no. The, the test centres are selected for certain criteria. They must have a certain amount of traffic, they must have a minimum amount of, uh, you know, uh, roadworks, that kind of stuff. So, when I say roadworks, roadwork areas. Uh, like, for example, Nace, for example, is, a, is the big centre in Kildare. Newbridge is not because it doesn't have the road infrastructure for the driving test. The next test centre to us is Port Leash. Then you have Carlow, you've got Burr, you've got Mullingar and Tullamore, and then you come back to Talla. And then you have Finglas as well. So like they pick these areas not just because of the geographical uh, area, but because of the ability to test people. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer if you if you can pass your test in Dublin, you can pass your test yeah. in Donegal. It's a right. standard. Yeah. Barry, we'll put this one to you. Um, what do your panel recommend for someone who keeps failing the test? It's just nerves that get me every time. I'm a good driver. I just can't stand the test. That's from Jessica. Well, the the only thing is to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself better. A lot of kids at the minute are leaving everything to the last minute. They're putting themselves on a cancellation list, which means that the the RSA can send them out a test uh, ten days prior, and they're just it's not it's not the correct amount of time to try and get yourself ready for a test. I think an awful lot of the kids at the minute they're, they're, they're listening to their peers and they're putting them under pressure. Oh, there's a big waiting list. You've got to get on that waiting list. Hence the reason we have a big waiting list. I would safely say, and I haven't got the exact figures, but I'd safely say about 60% of the people on the waiting list aren't even ready for a test. And of all those people came off it, it'd streamline the people that are actually ready for tests and get and, and, and shorten the list. Okay. Um, it's, it is, as I say, it is a very stressful time, but it's just trust your driving instructor, trust what he says. We're not out there to rob you. Uh, like we're there, we're there to get you to get you to learn to drive safe, to get you to pass your test. Okay, uh, keep them coming. Do your guests recommend to do the test in your own car? Anybody got a view on that? I'll take that for there now. Yeah. 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 Um, if you have your own car, you're used to that car. And if the car meets the standards required for the driving test, there's no reason why you shouldn't do it. 
Yeah. Uh, one of the problems that people have is um, they'll often turn up with a car that maybe is not suitable for driving tests. I'll give you an example. Oh, the tax being out of date. Well, the tax has to, yeah, tax <laughs> actually has to be in date. And like, we, I'm sorry, it, I've been a victim yeah, of that. If one. you're driving down the road and, and you're, you've got a month on your tax, that's the leeway law. But for the driving test, it actually has to be in date on the day. Yeah, you know, people come up with the insurance disc has the wrong registration on it. Uh, the tires are bald, and they say, "Sure, the car's NCT three months ago." Yeah, but the tires bald now, Mary. You have to can't use that, and they end up having to use a driving school car. And often do instructors sort of condemn a car and say, this, sorry, this isn't fit for... And that must yeah. freak people well, out as does. well. It, then. It, You're it getting into actually. a strange yeah. car. Yeah. We had a situation there recently where a person produced the car for, for a pre-test lesson. Their test is in two days' time and the passenger seat was actually broken. As in, the support was gone. 